you protect what you love. Hunting is a life, not a lifestyle, it's a life. This is Hunters to show people how great of a job we're doing for conservation, providing for ourselves all the things you and I understand. I think you kind of owe it to the animal that you're hunting to be as prepared as possible. You know, as I get older, I appreciate the laughs and the time and the experience. Hey man, how's it going? You calling a whole bunch of turkeys this morning? Uh, well, uh, see, Jordan killed one this morning. Uh, I myself was on the unlucky end, which tends to happen to me a lot. Uh, heard turkeys, heard plenty, but uh, Jordan killed one this morning. Um, and then uh, Troy killed one yesterday afternoon. It, it was tough. It was tough all week up until yesterday and this morning. Like what was making it, like what's making it tough? You guys like hunting? You guys like hunting some questionable areas or what? Oh no no no! The the places we're hunting are are absolutely incredible. They're just um, it's it's early uh, Mississippi when when the season opens here in Mississippi, it um it tends to be like like real early in their cycle. Like you're still when the season opens, yeah, the gobblers are still real grouped up and that you know they're more interested in establishing a pecking order and and also the the woods are so open because spring hasn't fully happened yet. So, uh, you know, it just makes it tough to maneuver around, and sometimes, you know, they're just not not ready yet. You know, even if you're making a hen call to them, they're just not that interested in it yet. You just have to try to find one that is. But uh, it, it gets better as time goes on. We saw it progress through just that week of being out there. Yeah, that's cool, man. I've always lived in the north, you know, and so we're still a month out, right? Right, but, um, yeah. You guys get a nice jump on it down there, man. Yeah, that that's actually – I wanted to jump straight into to the turkey stuff. Um, like, as I actually watched it, you know, earlier today, just because I knew I was going to be talking with you. Um, probably one of my favorite episodes that you've done uh, was when you went and hunted uh, the San Mateo Mountains in New Mexico. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I specialize in hunting really bad turkey spots. <laughs> well, it was it wasn't even that, man. It was just so cool um, how you built it with the uh, you know the the with the history with leopold hunting there and you it was funny i laughed the first time i watched it you were like yeah we're going off a tip that somebody left over a hundred years ago yeah yeah no that place is cool man um yeah it is interesting that he's there because you get the sense uh you know it's funny to look at the way places change and don't change you know yeah because we often have these ideas especially when you get into american history i think people have these ideas where where everything used to, you know, a lot of people who don't really know the story of wildlife in America assume that everything was way better a long time ago. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Without realizing that there's a lot of places in this country where 100 years ago people weren't hunting turkeys, you know, because they were, you know, gone. Um, So in that place it is interesting where you have this spot that's kind of like remained fairly even. It's been kind of like static over the years, like, Aldo Leopold goes there a hundred years ago and has kind of a rough time finding some birds. Yeah. Eventually stumbles onto some birds. Yeah. And then a hundred years later, I go there and we have kind of a rough time and eventually <laughs> stumble onto some birds, yeah. you know, cause there's not many other places that are not many other hunts that are really like that. Yeah. And I, I'm going to be honest with you, man. One of my favorite epi- parts about that whole episode is the fact that you shot two Jakes. Like I loved that. Like that, that oh, was my, man. like that. Yeah. I was like, I was like, yes, that's what I'm talking about. You know, that's a hunting. Yeah. Shooting Jake's is one of those secret hunting tricks that I keep in my back pocket. Now. <laughs> <laughs> but, but here's the deal. Here's the thing is like, I, you know, when we started out, okay. I didn't, I'm, I'm having a hard time framing this up. Let me, let me frame this up for you. Gotcha. Where I grew up, 
when I was born, there, there, like, literally were no turkeys, okay, where I was born. Around the time that I moved away and left Michigan and moved out west, birds just started showing up. In fact, like, the couple years, the couple, the last couple years that I was in Michigan, they were opening up some draw permits, some permit draws for turkeys well to the north of me in Michigan. Mm-hmm. And there would be like, I'd hear rumblings of like friends of friends who would draw a turkey tag, but it just wasn't like, it wasn't something I paid attention to. Right. Um, yeah. Because it wasn't really around. As soon as I moved out West, dude, turkeys just hit. <laughs> they were doing a lot of, they were doing a lot of transplants. Yeah. The, the National Wild Turkey Federation working with the Michigan Department of Natural Resources. All of a sudden I was like, all of a sudden my old man is killing turkeys a mile from our house. Yeah. And that's just foreign to you every spring but but so i had no background in turkey hunting i get out to montana and even at that time turkeys weren't like they even this is like mid 90s now they weren't like they were now in montana either and so there are areas that were still like permit draws where i live where you'd be they'd give out like 20 tags now it's just over the counter you can go kill two and even kill a hen in a place where in the mid 90s they were giving out 20 tags for huge chunks of national forest yeah so as like it was always just sort of this thing that i didn't really pay attention to and we got in there just because we'd go out hunting spring bears and we'd hear gobblers going off yeah and then so the first turkey hunts i did were like i was going to was not coming out of turkey hunting culture and we would just bushwhack them (laughs) and it was like it was like I didn't even know about, I, I kind of knew that people called in turkeys, but we just go out and bushwhack them. If we saw any kind of anything on that bird's chest and it was a legal bird. Gobbler. Yeah. Yeah. So that was only later after we did that a little bit, only later did I really start to develop like a real passion for hunting turkeys and calling turkeys. And I've now hunted turkeys, you know, I've hunted like Osceola's and yeah. Gould turkeys down yeah. in Mexico, every kind of, you know, I've, I haven't gone down and hunted an oscillated turkey yet, but I've hunted every, you know, all the five, you know, whatever varieties right, yeah, and subspecies yeah, yeah. we have here. But it was like something that developed over a long time, and I didn't grow up around turkey hunting culture. So in our head, I didn't even know that did it that there was a thing of like to wait for a big bird. Yeah, yeah. And and but I did develop like where I love to eat turkeys, so I now hunt turkeys <laughs> in multiple states every year, and I'm kind of like thinking like you know, I'm going to lay by some turkeys. So if I got time, I'll go out and we'll let a lot of Jake's walk in a good spot. But always in the back of my mind, I'm like, yeah, man, rather than go home with no bird, I'm going to get a Jake and go home. And my kids like, you know, that's the closest my kids ever come to having chicken nuggets. When I I slice up, when I chunk out a turkey breast and roll in panko breadcrumbs and fry it, man. That's fantastic. Yeah. And that, I mean, trust me, nothing but admiration. I want you, you picked up, you're like a pair of Jake's. I was like, that's, that's awesome. Dude, I know. And then we get my friends, I got, I got some friends that dog on me about it and some friends that see my side of it, but I, you're not damaging the resource. You no, know what I mean? Yeah. It's just like, you're not like, as far as like mechanically removing a couple Jake's from a top population of turkeys, I don't, you're not having any like negative no, bearing yeah. on that resource. You yeah. know? So I'll let the, I'll let the big rope draggers, I'll save those for the next guy. But when I go out, right, I'm already like pondering in my head, I'm going to hunt Missouri for the first time this spring. And these are, you know, every, oh, awesome. every, every state likes to think they got the worst, toughest birds, but yeah. You know, people in Missouri are real proud of how how paranoid their turkeys are. And I'm already running in my head. I'm like, okay, I'm not gonna run into this and in, in I'm not gonna run into this and shoot a Jake. I'm gonna try to like call in a 
call in a full-on turkey, yeah. you know, in Missouri. Right? I mean, that's that's how it is. It look, man, growing up. See, I, I got the. I guess I mean I consider myself lucky, you know, talking about you know your upbringing and stuff. See, I I got my raising. I, I heard about what you're talking about. I heard the the guys that I grew up hunting with saying. You know, man, there wasn't any turkeys here. You know, they had to introduce them, and y'all, you know, you you young boys are lucky to be able to hunt them in the numbers that they are now. That kind of thing, and and uh, it's in the same vein, like what you're saying is like uh, as same. It's a saying in Mississippi. People think that that we have the toughest turkeys. They say, you know, if you can kill a turkey in Mississippi, you can kill a turkey anywhere in the world. And but you're right, you hear that everywhere you go. Just about everyone likes to think they have the most difficult turkeys to call up and and shoot, but. I don't know. You know, <laughs> I guess that's people, yeah, people like to say, I'll tell you some places I've hunted a lot of places where I would never claim that they're tough turkeys. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. Yeah. I can see it there Look, in, in the same vein. Um, cause I, you know, talking about calling and turkeys and, and that kind of stuff, I wanted to ask you about, you know, cause I, I watched the, the New Mexico episode and then I watched the, the episode when you went and hunted in California with, uh, Rogan. Oh yeah. Yeah. Cal- yeah. With the two comedians. Yeah. 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 One that was hilarious, and uh, that but I remember, and I, I know I'm like quoting these episodes back to you. I don't know if that's annoying or not, but not like, at all. Uh, so you were you were talking, and then uh, J- Joe Rogan he shot a shot a turkey, and then you know I think the action was kind of slow, and uh, he said something. You know, Rogan was like, "That might be. I think this might be one and done for me on turkeys. It yeah. just wasn't really captured." You're like, "Dude, you're breaking my heart." And it, when he said that, it broke my heart. I was like, "Oh man, he just." He needs to see what it's really like, you know. If oh, I know. I, I find myself always in the position of defending turkey hunting and defending ice fishing. <laughs> see, to people, yeah. people are like, "Oh, it's so boring," or "How hard could it be?" You, you've probably heard it a thousand times. Yeah. I got turkeys in my yard. How hard could it be? Yeah. You know. And, and so, yeah, when you take out someone for the first time, you almost want, you know, you almost want to have them have to see like when it's hard so they wind up appreciating it oh yeah that's the thing i run into having with, with kids right so on one hand i take my kids out fishing stuff where i know it's gonna be fast action because i want them to get interested then when they're out getting fast action i'm like am i ruining them because now they're gonna think that everything's easy but if i took them out to do everything that was hard they might get where they don't want to go yeah and so yeah. you kind of like got to figure out like how am i going to introduce you to it in a way that you dig it but you still see the challenges yeah. because you know some days things just go better and play out faster than they than other days i feel like you know i feel like i'm a horrible turkey caller but i'm a pretty good turkey hunter you know what i mean like i do well hunting turkeys yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um because i I bring other things to the table besides right calling skills and so i kind of like develop that I don't know, man. Like I just like you know, develop that ability to kind of. Like, I feel like I can kind of sense what they're up to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I yeah. kind of know what to be and when to do what and when you can get away with something you can't get away with. And so I I've developed those things and somehow managed to so be like a pretty effective turkey caller or effective turkey hunter without having like a very good turkey vocabulary. And I know enough to know what sounds I shouldn't try to make. Man, look like will primos will tell you because he's and i know he will because he's told me before all those guys will tell you they said like you can take the best calling in the world i mean the best i mean like put it in the woods and you'd swear it was a turkey but you pair that with subpar woodsmanship and then you take a guy that can call you know good enough to sound reasonably enough like a turkey but has excellent woodsmanship like you're talking about they're going to be the more successful hunter every time you know 
just because it's oh i i think so it's just like learning how to be around animals and like what you can get away with and can't get away exactly exactly just just like how to take their temperature you know like when there's like if you've been looking at critters your whole life right and watching how they do you you're looking at something very different than someone who doesn't spend a lot of time staring at critters yeah just to be like just to learn to say you know what that thing is that thing knows something's not right uh-huh. yeah. so be like well how do you know it knows something's not right i don't know i can't explain it but i can tell you that that thing knows something's not right you yeah. know? And like <laughs> what exactly are you seeing i have no idea what you're seeing yeah you're just you know, like, sometimes yeah. you can explain it with a white-tailed deer if it like throws its tail up that's pretty obvious anyone's gonna pick up on something's it wrong. but there's other just like ways about you know, there's like ways about something yeah. coming through the woods yeah. that you just you're seeing a lot when you've studied it. But I think yeah. that by by being around them and kind of watching now and doing what they're doing, yeah, you, you can learn how to be pretty deadly without being someone who's going to get up on the stage at the turkey convention and, and win a gold medal. Yeah, yeah, right, right, right. You're for sure. So look, I'm gonna just because you making the remark about being around critters a lot. I, I mean, I. I've got like a thousand different questions I could ask you, but I know you, you're a busy, busy man, but I've got to ask you this question. Like, so your podcast that you did about the grizzly attack on a Fognac Island was probably the best podcast I've ever listened to. Oh, thank you, man. That's, that's kind. I mean, but uh, like what, I, I don't even know how to like phrase this question. Like, like I'm not. I don't want to ask you to tell the story again. But like how, like so after you're in a situation like that, after that that happened, you know, the, the, with the charge and and all those guys, like how, how's it changed your outlook? Like do you, do you think differently when you go out to those places again, or 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 what? Yeah. So it, it's changed. We were talking about this the other day. Just a just a quick rundown that uh, that a Fognac Island is is basically from. If, if you're looking at a map of Fognac Island, you you'd almost wouldn't realize that it's not Kodiak. So a Fognac Island separated from a narrow strait from Kodiak Island. Right. And there's an introduced there's an introduced population of elk out there, and we were out hunting. Um, we were out hunting elk, and it's just got very high densities of the biggest brown bears in the world. Yeah. And when you out hunting elk, it's like just a matter of fact that you're going to be having encounters with these bears. And we'd hung a bunch of meat up in a tree to, while we were packing it out, just keeping it away from bears by putting it in the tree. And we got under our meat tree yeah. and, um, sitting there eating, stupidly eating some sandwiches and had a big, or had a bear, a brown bear bust into our midst to the point where it was, you know, just arms reach. I could have like grabbed its tooth God. coming by me. And one of the guys I work with, I don't know if this is what caused the bear to turn, but one of the guys I work with smacks the bear across the face with a trekking pole. Yeah. <laughs> it turns, knocks another one of the guys I work with over. He falls onto the bear, rides the bear down the hill. I think the bear's carrying him down the hill, but in fact, he's just riding on its home. <laughs> it's, you know, very scary. Right. But now over the years, so I've been hunting, like I've hunted grizzly and brown bear country every year for a long time. And we've had various mix-ups, like bears coming in camp, having showdowns with bears over, like, you know, trying to scare them off of kills, trying to scare them out of camp, charged by a bear. And it always felt like it was leading to something, right? right. That it was yeah, like, yeah. that it was heading in some direction where there's going to, trouble's going to come, like trouble's unavoidable and someday something bad's going to happen. 
And I don't know why, but after that, I felt like that was the bad thing. <laughs> and that we arrived at whatever it was that I sensed would eventually happen. <laughs> and now we're climbing outside. We're, we're climbing up the other valley wall, so to speak. Yeah. My buddy's like, no, I feel like we're still descending the valley toward the bottom. <laughs> but I'm like, no, I think that that was the bottom. Yeah. And I think now that I don't need to worry about anything anymore. <laughs> yeah, that needs to, yeah, you're done with it. Yeah. <laughs> like I got that out of my system. Yeah. That was what it was like. But I'll tell you, man, it's something people think about. Like th there's, you know, there's all these risks in the outdoors. Right. Um, oh, yeah. We focus on, like, like we as people tend to focus on the dramatic ones that, that induce psychological fear. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, like people, you know, like, you know, you spend a lot of time around wildlife, you like mountain lions, black bears, like it doesn't statistically, it doesn't warrant your concern. Yeah. Things that warrant your concern would be hypothermia and exposure. Okay. Like yeah, yeah, drowning. Yeah. Like if you're a waterfowl hunter, if you're a fisherman, like water is dangerous. Water is legitimately dangerous, but we tend to not pay attention to that stuff, you know? Yeah. Um, but, but I think that like being around those bears, man, it's something that induces like a certain level of fear. And I find now that, that I, I do still think about that risk all the time, but I catch myself being like, you know what, it, when real trouble is going to come, it's probably going to come in a mundane way that isn't fun to talk about. Yeah. That but makes it's sense. just like, just people, you know, uh, all the sort of accidents you don't list. I was talking to someone the other day. I was like, if you made, if I was going on a trip and you asked me to make a list of like. 10 things that are going to go wrong. It's probably going to wind up being the 11th one, right? The, the one I <laughs> yeah. never wrote that yeah. winds up getting you. But in that case, it was just sort of this fulfillment of like, yeah, a lot of big bears around, man. Be careful. Yeah. Fish and game. They send you a note with your tag saying, uh, they send you a note saying a bear will claim your kill site. And so even with that, like to get a little bit lax and then to have it come to be, um, yeah, it just it's kind of like shook me up in terms of like you know what what things do we pay attention to? What yeah. are the real risks out there? And when you walk away from it, um, how do you sort of conceptualize it and talk about it with your friends and yeah. process it? Yeah, you know, right now though, I remain the way I felt two days later. I'm a, in a perverse way. I'm glad it happened. I it was just like an interesting, like an interesting moment, right? I, yeah, I mean, man, look, I mean, coming from, I mean, most, I grew up in the southeast. I hadn't even, when I went to, I never even went out west elk hunting until I started working for Primos, and the biggest thing I'd ever seen was an elk. So, I mean, I'm just, just imagining an animal that big coming at you. Like, I can't even wrap my head around it. Like, it just, it blows my mind. I just, like, uh, yeah. That's crazy. I later wound up reading about it and talking about people because I was just struggling with the way, kind of like struggling with my own response to it. Right. Like in hindsight, I didn't respond to it the way that I would like to think I would have. Yeah. Um, because I, I actually, in my head now, reviewing it, I lost track of some moments. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It, it, it like interrupted, like it's sudden like so such a sudden menacing threatening experience there or appearance of something interrupted how I just process time. And so when I review it in my head, I can't account for certain moments. Yeah. And yeah. it's troubling to me 
that that would happen to me because we all like to think of ourselves as like, you know, these these like woodsmen, right? Just like <laughs> yeah. there's no like you know we're all like a Jim yeah. Bridger, you yeah, know. Yeah, there's nothing that can throw me off my game. Yeah, but to have it be that no man, that thing legitimately disrupted my processing, <laughs> and that is a real letdown. And I got friends that were trained and you know trained in the military, trained in special forces, and they pound it out of you where you don't lose track of moments yeah. in highly stressful situations. And so it's been a real reckoning to be, to look and say like, no, dude, you got to own up. You yeah, didn't know yeah. what was going on. You didn't do the things you were supposed to do. You didn't follow through on the plan. You didn't have your pepper spray. You were completely dismayed. Even if you had a gun in your hand, you probably wouldn't have pulled it together. And there was some fraction of a second where you were not yourself. And that's like that of anything is the hard part to own up to. Yeah. You're not the guy you'd like to think you were. Mm. And hopefully like next time, maybe I'll be on top of my game. Next time I'll be like my buddy who had the presence of mind to waylay that thing upside the head of the trekking pole. <laughs> I mean, I just, I just like the fact that you're already referring to a next time. I, I mean, I guess there, I mean, as much time as you spend out that kind of stuff, there could be a next time, you know? Oh yeah. And you, you enter into like a high risk group when you're out like messing with big dead things in, in oh, grizzly yeah. country, you know? Yeah. Uh, no doubt. Well, look, man, again, I know, I know you have short time, so I'm, I'm, I'm jumping around on questions here, but I, I want to go to this one. Like one of the things I've, I've been a fan of yours for a long time. I, I just like, um, I just really admire how you are able to articulate hunting and, and that, and that whole side of it to people, not necessarily always antis, but, people that just don't understand it you know i just i think that you've that's just something you do very well and that's something i've always respected about you and so what i wanted to ask you about was i know that uh joe rogan credits you all the time for being the person that introduced him to hunting yeah yeah so I, if i could ask you kind of how that happened what what prompted you to do that and, and that sort of thing so he yeah I, unbeknownst to me um you know, he had always enjoyed watching hunting shows. And so he had become kind of a fan of watching, even though he'd never been, he just become a fan. I was very, very curious about it. Yeah. And he later explained to me that, you know, he had a time had had a bow and shot a bow, like shot archery. Right. Right. Yeah. Not like shot like a bow hunter, but shot like an archer. Yeah. Just target um, shooting. Yeah. And, and he, and, and in his mind, he, he thought of it as being similar. Like he knew it was a weapon, obviously, but he thought of it more in the vein of, of being a, a billiards player. Right. right. Yeah. 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 Or, or, you know, like sort of the, 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 just like it being a practice or a discipline or, you know, a thing you try to perfect over time. Yeah. Um, didn't really think about hunting, but he got interested in watching hunting shows. And, and I'll say, I'll be honest with you, even though I now, you know, do a podcast, the first time I ever heard the word, I'm not joking. The first time I ever heard the word podcast, I had no idea what it meant was when I was invited to come on his podcast. <laughs> I didn't know what it, I had to go look it up. You're kidding. And I'm like, a what? Yeah. Yeah. A podcast, Dude, I had yeah. no idea. Yeah. I had no idea. And we came in and started talking and he was just like very interested in it. And and, and it took him a while to um, kind of like, you know, figure out what kind of things he wanted to go do. But I kept throwing ideas his way. And, uh, and initially, and you know, he'd tell you the same story initially. He was like, he wanted to go deer hunting because it was just like, he recognized the deer as being a game animal and he recognizes being like something that would be edible, yeah, approachable, right? Like yeah. this is, it kind of felt like safe, right? Yeah. Um, it was big. It's the thing that when you look at it, you're like, Hey, that's a thing people hunt for. And I'm familiar with this whole idea of deer hunting. And so 
he got into that and then later, you know, became like a you know, very formidable archer. Yeah. And, and also has like racked up like a, you know, a lot of pretty incredible hunting experiences. Yeah. But that, sure. you know, you mentioned earlier, like talking to, you know, I always imagine myself having, I always imagine myself in talking about hunting. I always imagine myself having two audiences. Yeah. Um, people expect that I would be like all worked up and feel adversarial toward, uh, ardent anti hunters right. or vegans and anti hunters. And it's just like not a segment of the population that I really even regard myself as speaking to. I feel that right. they've arrived, like they've arrived at a pretty committed position. Yeah. For, and, oh yeah, for sure. And it's like, it takes, that's like a set to live that way is a, it takes a discipline. It's like a sacrifice, right? Yeah, for sure. I just don't, I feel like you've arrived at a spot that you're probably not going to move from. I'm in a spot that I'm not going to move from. Yeah. And so I wouldn't call it a tr- like, like a truce, but it's just like, it's just not a constructive use of my time because it's such a small percentage yeah. of the American population. Yeah, for sure. I do feel that I am. And, and I try to talk to those people, um, talk to those individuals who are aware of it. They know about it, but they just don't get parts of it or don't understand parts yeah. of it. And the reason it's constructive is that I found again and again and again, that people who, who are aware of hunting, but aren't familiar with it, don't have family members to hunt are generally pleasantly surprised, pleasantly surprised to learn that it's a regulated activity Yeah, that that game is managed at generally at the state level and that states take license monies and money from excise taxes on guns and ammunition. And they hire teams of biologists who make assessments about wildlife populations and calculations about what's a harvestable surplus. And it's spelled out in excruciating detail to the point where it'll regulate how small of a diameter your shotgun muzzle can have yeah. how the maximum diameter your shotgun muzzle to have like to excruciating detail what you're allowed to do right. when you're allowed to do it and people are generally like oh okay if that's the case i'm cool with it i had no idea yeah i have found that again and again and again the second conversation that i like to think that i'm having is i'm also talking to hunters right yeah, and that's kind of sure. like my people that's people i relate to and hang around with and i try to in my work invite hunters to recognize how even if you just hunt a day two days a year three days a year to like recognize and admit to yourself how much you love this stuff yeah and if you love it that it becomes something that you feel is worth defending culturally and worth defending in in a habitat and wildlife sense yeah right for sure we have the wildlife we have in this country because it meant something to people Mm -hmm. it was gone and we built it back up if it doesn't have that if it doesn't have that cultural value and in sometimes instances that like economic value we're not going to have it it will not be here by accident yeah because we've already seen what happens when we don't you know ascribe it a tremendous amount of value so uh, that's like that's like the second conversation i'm having besides just like entertainment having a good time yeah i like to try to like make like i I try like work those two messages into the work that i do yeah no doubt because look man like when when we started doing this podcast like i've I've had, you know, different people on here before like you, and I've, I've asked them about, you know, the same kind of subject. And, and one of the questions I got asked by one of my coworkers is, you know, because he was like, man, do you really think, you know, that many people that aren't in a pro hunting mindset are going to listen to this podcast? I was like, you know, maybe not that many, but I think it is important 
that people that, like you said, are hunters, like hear this so they, you know, can hear people like you. But then, uh, like, for instance, we were at the NWTF convention this year and uh, this girl comes to the booth. We were at, you know, we were working the booth and she introduces herself. She says, uh, yeah, I, I, I wanted to tell you that I really like the podcast and I'm not a hunter yet, but I want to be, you know, I got, oh, interested. Really? yeah, I was <laughs> like, you're, you're kidding me. She's like, yeah, I'm serious. I was like, you don't know it, but you just made my day, you know? Yeah, that's great. You know, earlier we had touched on, uh, Aldo Leopold. Yeah. And he has this famous definition of ethics where he says like, um, ethics is doing the right thing. Um, when no one's watching. You know, I'm, I'm a little bit like paraphrasing, but it's like, yeah. but I always say, I always point out that nowadays there's never no one watching. <laughs> That's a fact. That is so it's factual. Like, yeah. Yeah. I, it's, it, it's if, it, you know, um, yeah, I just always encourage people to be for, for, a, for a multitude of reasons, personal reasons and, and others just to be on your game and know what you're supposed to be doing mm-hmm. and, and carry yourself and, 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 you know, do your business at the highest level possible, not just for the reasons of not giving someone else ammunition against you, but because you're going to enjoy your own life and enjoy your own time out in the woods all that much better. Yeah. It pays off in a lot of ways, but yeah, I've just come to like in, in watching how, how things play out and, and damage that can occur. It's like, there's never no one watching. Oh, and, and I think of that too. Like in, in in all the media I put out there, all the entertainment I put out there, I'm always thinking, I'm always thinking like, you don't know who's going to stumble across this, <laughs> and you don't know what level what level of context they're going to give it. Yeah. And 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 I look at any moment if someone is going to drop in at any moment and they're going to give this 30 seconds. What is the tonality, right? What is the thing that I really want to show? Yeah. Um. And and that's a challenge, man. I, I think it's a it's a challenge, and you're you're obviously already thinking about it. Cause you talked about that you love to have someone come up yeah. who, who's never hunted before. And so I'm always like, yeah, if they stumble onto my stuff, I want them to stumble onto my stuff and be like, huh, that's interesting. Yeah, for sure, absolutely. Or that's a way of looking at it that I hadn't thought about it before. And I'm not inventing stuff because I'm just reflecting a, a, a perspective on the outdoors and a relationship on yeah. the outdoors that we I've been cultivating for my entire life, and that was shown to me by my father and the guys my father hung out with yeah. were all outdoorsmen. Yeah, and no doubt. And and that's, again, that's that's why I've always, or one of the biggest reasons I've always been, you know, such a big admirer of your work and what you do. But um, anyhow, Steve, I, I know you're super busy, so I'm not, I'm not going to hold you any longer. Thank you, you know, so much for, for taking the time to be on this. I've thoroughly enjoyed the conversation. And, and yeah, guys, I hope you enjoyed listening. Uh, so until next time, thank you for listening to the Speak the Language podcast. Thanks for being on, Steve. Yeah. Yeah, thanks for yeah, thank you. And um listen man, anytime you want to talk, please you got my phone number, give me a call. Absolutely it was, it was enjoyable. Absolutely.